audio. Once the podcast starts, there can be no swearing. None at all. That is bullshit. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the no swearing version of Whiskey at Work. Listen, I'll explain this to everybody right now, okay? This podcast, we have the unique ability as a media mecca here in Western South Dakota to... Rather religious, isn't it? Not only produce great podcast content. Or our podcast content. Right, or our podcast content. The other ones are great. Um, But we also have the ability to put this on radio because we own like 40 of these things right (laughs) well that might be an exaggeration (laughs) no we have six radio stations that we own so this is going to be going on uh, one of our radio stations too every friday afternoon as part of like uh kind of just a local block of programming that we'll be doing so we'll have podcasts with the mayor we'll have podcasts with elevate uh what is explain that What, what exactly is elevate elevate is the economic development um, arm in here in Rapid oh. City, Black Hills. Okay, cool. So we'll we'll have that. We've we'll partner, get their we partnered with them on a, on the magazine and and helping them boost their profile, which now includes this radio podcast. Oh, perfect. Well, then we also have yeah. like with Doc Talk with Monument Health, where we talk to the doctors. Yeah, there's probably and not much swearing on that one. No, there's absolutely no swearing on that. Although I one doctor did one time, but he asked politely if he could swear, and I think all he said was "damn." <laughs> you can say, can you say that on the radio? Yes, that's fine. You as can as say as long as it's not in, in, right. in numbers. Right, exactly. So right. Uh, that's what we'll be I, doing. I'm going to need a list of all the ones that I can say that. You know the ones you can't say. Is it okay? the George Carlin list? Yes, 100% the George <laughs> Carlin list. Don't utter any of those right now. And if you do, do I'll. You, I'll do you have a beat button? I, I, can, I can, after we do it, I can beep it. Because it yes. might be kind of funny with beep. At least people Look, know I know you're going to slip up no matter what. Yeah. So that'll be, happen. I can be pretty good. Most of my swearing is mostly intentional. Sometimes. It's going to slip out, though. I know you. No, <laughs> my wife and I got out. into this. My wife and I have had this argument. She she is more of a casual swearer than me. Especially when... Especially around the kids. Like, if I, Especially when the kids were younger, I I didn't I I could not I didn't swear around the kids much when they were young. But when I swore, I bloody meant it. There was, was gravitas behind it. I, there was right anger. Yeah, of you screwed when Dad up and swore, I'm unhappy with whatever you did. You knew you were in trouble at that point. And they didn't care. <laughs> so you're not as intimidating as you think you are, Rob. No, getting? I don't think I'm that intimidating. Hey. um... Okay, there, there's Although gonna be... I scared the crap out of Oakley for the first couple of years we were down in the basement, I don't, and I still don't know. He's why. he's a timid fellow, though. Really, is he? he really is kind of timid. Yeah, he's he never wants to rock the boat. Really, I really enjoy talking to him, but he like he would avoid me in the hall. Like, yeah, if he saw me coming, he'd go the other way. It was yeah. weird. He's he's that's just his that's just his personality. Um, yeah. okay, really, he's really smart. He is. There's I don't want to talk. This isn't the Oakley podcast. All right, this is. Yeah, I want to talk. I want to talk about whiskey, Rob. Um, I want to talk about this in two parts, by the way. Okay. This is what we're going to do. I have two topics that I want to discuss that I found kind of interesting over the past week. Uh, but I also want to start this podcast by 
saying there's a there's a big announcement coming from your buddies at Jack Daniels that maybe some people haven't seen yet. Oh yeah, the the third iteration of the ten and the second of the twelve are coming out here pretty quick. I believe within a month they'll probably be in our market. So when these other ones have come out, they have been ridiculously sought after. Somehow you ended up with like seventeen bottles, and I still no, don't know how that happened. I didn't. I, well, I, that isn't entirely true. I know some people here, and then my daughter at the time was working at the store in Brookings, and. You know, she had connections. Shut up. It was good. <laughs> I know it's good for you. It is good for you. I shared for with you. you. Yeah, you gave we, me like a small we sample. We brought of it. in both of the 10s and the 12 and did a side by side. Just think how good it could be next time. Well, we determined that the original 10 year was probably the best, right? Um, the second 10 year was still good. Not as good as the first. And the 12 was good, but still the original 10 was the best. Is yeah, that where we'll we landed have, on we'll everything? Have, something like that. Yeah. It's fairly close. So we'll have to try it again. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to get that announcement out because I thought that was kind of exciting. I don't think I've I'm had sure. it since then either. So I haven't they're, cracked my bottle holding, of 12 either. They're holding strong. So Because I, I know once I do, I'm probably going to finish it. Did you get any of the 10? No, I didn't get anything because you guys never think about me. I'm just well, the one that does I all the work, say yes. and nobody nobody remembers that I'm here too. That's well, because you said no. <laughs> God, Robbie, you always okay. say yes. You get the phone call. Um, except on Whistle Pig. Can we talk about two different? Well, like I said two different things today. Well, you're gonna. I am anyway. going to, because I came across an interesting question that I guess maybe I've kind of thought about a little bit before, but I didn't put a lot of, I don't know. It seems like always, anytime you buy bourbon, it's aged between four and six years, right? Doesn't that kind of seem to be the well the yeah. spot where you get a lot of these bourbons? I think that's where most of them land. Um, you know, you've got some of the young ones, the two-year-olds that, I mean, don't get a lot of attention just because they do taste so young. Well, And then by the time you get into that 10-year deal, it's, you know, you're running into being able to get it at all. But that was where my question came in. Can you age bourbon too long? And what is the sweet spot? And then my answer, I was so surprised. Did you have an answer? Did yes. you read somebody else's answer? No, I, I came across the answer that I that really that I wasn't I, I was I was just I was kind of blown away by. I always thought four to maybe six years was the perfect age. For bourbons. Well, bottle and bond's got to be four, right? Right. And it's got to be 100 proof, obviously, and which is going to be the then, second part yeah. of our conversation. And then you've got, you've got, you know, the Henry McKenna's and the Eagle Rares and whatever that go to 10. And now right. Jack is 10 and 12 and maybe shortly 15. You don't, you don't generally see a lot of them that go past that. 10-year mark very often. You got a Knob Creek 12 and a Russell's Reserve 12. That's what's so interesting 15, about this, though. The sweet spot is 8 to 12 years. I I just I kind of find that hard to believe, I guess, but the uh, the, the the Harlan Wheatley, master distiller for Buffalo Trace, um, Jimmy Russell from, from Wild Turkey, they say, yep, that's, that's it. 8 to 12 is where all of your bourbon should be aged to. In order for them to be uh, to taste exactly how you how you want them to taste. You want to see somebody swear? We could look at Mitchell out the window. 
Well, I don't want anybody to swear. Oh. Don't raise a glass to him or he'll come in here and want some. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I... God, you selfish. Were you, were you surprised by that, though? Uh, a little, for, for a couple of different reasons. If that were truly the case, I would suspect that there would be more people putting it out at that age statement. And I guess I wonder if... I mean, not that, you know, I've got a Knob Creek 12 at home, That's not, and the Jack stuff is great, obviously. I mean, I like it anyway. But I wonder if it's sitting in there too long, if it becomes, because they're new oak barrels, does it, it you run the risk of it becoming too oaky and dry? Well, I'm assuming you would, sure. But how can, then how can these scotches be aged 18 to 20 years without that oakiness? Well, how can for the same reason that I've said on here a hundred times is that I think, and you you hate this answer, but it's because the bourbon takes all of that initial char and flavor out of the wood after being in there between four and six or eight or ten or twelve years. So you you don't have that. You don't have that. You know, it's like using a napkin the second time. You know, it gets a little wet. I mean. It's what not. It's not. And I don't, well, whatever. <laughs> I can come up with anything better okay. than that. Right? I, I know that was notice. a good one. You know, it, you lose the. You 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 lose a little of that original purpose for which it was used the first time. When you have a scotch that's been in there for that long, it takes longer to get that flavor out. I I, I agree with that. I mean, obviously, when and the, yeah. and the and you know the scotch is at a different climate you, right you don't have the ins and outs of the wood like you do in kentucky and tennessee sure i suppose that makes sense i just that 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 just it was really surprising to me to find that 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 was kind of the sweet spot for bourbon and then why don't we see more of that although you do have like the russell's reserve which is 10 year the henry mckenna which is a 10 year you've got um which are, you know the readily eagle, available well, everywhere but here the eagle rare of course um is delicious is yeah is, is probably one of the most sought after 10 years i would predict even so it's interesting, I mean, not to, you know, the the dude at Buffalo Trace and the dude at Wild Turkey, all they got to do was go out to the shed and get a bottle of 12-year-old, you know? Right. We're, we're gallivanting around the country looking right. for, you know, Wild Turkey 12. I mean, it's... I was also really surprised to learn Reserve 12. that they will take a lot of this these bourbons out of the barrels before they're ready to be bottled... And store them in stainless steel barrels once they've reached that peak perfection because apparently stainless steel, it doesn't it doesn't do anything to negatively impact the bourbon. It's like the perfect storage container. That makes for, sense. For when they're when they're just kind of when they're having to store it before they get it in a bottle. I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't either. Nobody has ever said that to me out loud. I, right. After talking with some of the industry folks that we've talked to, that seem, it seems... Well, I wonder if it's a dirty little secret. Because I did see it in, a, in an article that I read here yesterday about that that's something that they do. I don't think everybody does it. Well, but in these sure. older, on these older bourbons, that's what they do with it. Instead of getting it into the bottle, they'll store it in there for a little while. They don't want it to take on any more flavor right. of the barrel right. itself. Yep. And yet... It's not ready for... They, no. Yes, if they put it out on the market today, there'd be too much of it, so sure. everybody can have some. <laughs> maybe maybe that could be it, too. 
So that was, yeah, that was very surprising. This whole not swearing thing is hard. <sighs> you get used to it. I've been on the radio since I was 16, Rob. So you learn. Yeah, I know. Once a, once a microphone's in front of your mouth, you can't swear. And you swear like a sailor around this office. It's I do. It's impressive how you can turn it off. <laughs> I do, because as soon as I see the microphone, I know that I can't, that I can't, uh, that I can't do it anymore. So, <laughs> okay. We're, look. <laughs> I, I get your hand signals. Here's what we're trying to do. This, I'm just going to go ahead and, okay, we're right there. Anyway, we'll wrap this up. <laughs> we're trying to. I don't know how to do it. That's we're going to be. No, that, that's good. I mean, if you just do the, the hand signals, that's perfect. Rob is keeping well, time I, of I, our. I put my clock over here and then I didn't I didn't realize till just now that you couldn't see it. Oh, my God. Monitor. Okay. So, again, we're just trying to keep time better of these podcasts. So they don't get away from us and to use on the radio every Friday. So. We'll we'll say that this was uh, this this, this first attempt poor test run right a little bit a little bit uh, wonky but anyway coming up I do I posted this uh, this question up on Dakota Whiskey Territory and I love the responses that I got because I really love this question it did make me ponder more than what I said to you in passing yesterday coming up I want to find out if you could only drink your whiskey at one proof what would it be that's on the way. Get ready, Rapid City, for another epic journey into the world of whiskey at Mountain West Whiskey Festival, the unrivaled celebration in South Dakota. Immerse yourself in the flavors of over 150 exceptional whiskeys, from classics to rare finds. Elevate your senses with upscale catering and groove to live music in the heart of downtown at the Rushmore Hotel. This is not just an event, it's an experience. Secure your spot now at mountainwestwhiskeyfestival.com because whiskey legends are made in the Black Hills. Welcome back, everybody. That's going to get hard to get used to. It's Because all I want to say is, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody is hard to get used to. We've so been now doing I this got, for years. Now I got to say, welcome back, everybody. All right. Yeah, um, Mitchell's stewing around like. I know. He wants to come in here and have a drink so bad he can't stand it, but we can't let him in. Uh, we should have put locks on some doors. Well, let's put a chair up against it next time. That'll keep him out. <laughs> yeah, he's scrawny. He'd never be able to push a chair out of the way. So here's the question I asked to a bunch of whiskey drinkers yesterday. If you could only drink your whiskey at one proof, what would that proof be? And I was I was really surprised by the sheer number of answers I got on that question. I just, I love the fact that one guy said, that's a great question. <laughs> that validated it, the whole thing for me. Um, but it is a good question for, because for the record, it wasn't me. No, no, no. You, you, you weren't. You didn't. You didn't say that at all. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're new to a whiskey podcast or whiskey drinking, uh, period, proof is what they call the alcohol by volume, right? So it's double the ABV. Yeah. Right, it's double the ABV. So if your if your whiskey is fifty percent alcohol, that so, means it's a hundred proof. If it's that's double, folks. Right, just for, do for, the for just, just do the math. math. Moving forward. It's times two. If somebody says, what percentage of alcohol is that? And they say 60, then don't drink then, that. Then, yeah. Because God, that's then, a lot of. Plan on getting a ride home. <laughs> um, so. You, and you most certainly should drink it. There's a lot of high proof whiskeys out there that are pretty good. I've just, just I've just been thinking about like this them. question. I'm not saying I don't like them because well, we've had some really. What's, what's we have some question? good ones. A question? I've spent a lot of time on this question, Rob. <laughs> Okay, and uh, let me let me go down to some of the answers of these people and how they responded here. Uh, oh, to, that's to, why to, you to the comment. your glasses in. Yeah, because I because I got to read the I got to read the comments here. Um, one guy wrote, "It depends on how you interpret the question. If I if you can only drink X Y Z proof, my answer is one hundred. 
the way all bottled and bond is fair game. He said that way all bottled and bond is fair game. But my preference is the 107 to 115 range. I think the I think it did kind of average out from everybody that responded to about a hundred proof. Is is the is the ideal? Although doing the research on this, they say that the best proof to drink it in is between, uh, I believe they said ninety and a hundred. That that because that is. The perfect balance between flavor intensity and drinkability. So it'll apply to novices and professional drinkers. So that's so that's what I said when I walked walked as I hobbled out the door <laughs> yesterday because I couldn't sit and I couldn't stand and I could barely walk. Um, I threw out kind of haphazardly 95 to you. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know exactly how many... To me, that's a bit of a trick question, right? Because how many, how many of them are actually, how many bourbons or whiskeys are actually bottled at ninety five or ninety seven or, you know, within that ninety seven point right. two range, whatever. So I mean, if you're like, I'm on an island and I'm, I only get ninety seven proof whiskey for the rest of my life. You know, you might only have. I'm making this up. You might, you know, you may, you may only have eight or ten that are actually bottled at that proof. Right. So then in thinking, and I saw the hundred, the guys that said a hundred, which also makes a lot of sense. But in thinking further, I'm like, well, you know, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of, of brands that are bottled right at 80 proof. So you would have... Much more a vast from. assortment to choose from. Does well, that make sense? I yeah, mean, no, it totally does. Need a little more context in the in the positioning of the question. I think. Well, I think my mine would come in right about ninety. I I don't I don't like that super high proof stuff. There, of course, there's been a handful that have been we've we've been we've drank and decided, wow, this there's no way this is 115 or 120. Just can't. It right. doesn't drink that way. So I wish I could remember the bottles that we had that were like that, but they were. They were, yeah, uh, I think that is a testament to the distiller and the blender, if that's the case. I mean, that you've made something and created something that's so approachable, but the proof is through the roof, right? right? Um, well, that also goes with the, with the theory that, you know, my made-up theory that you couldn't add ice or water to it. Which was interesting because I, I saw that I believe it was uh, Old Elk in Fort Collins. Yes, because they pose this question to some people too. They they say that the people that drink this stuff at 120 to 130 proof say, "Well, just water it down if you want it a little bit lower." And like the 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 folks that work at Old Elk were like, "Okay, I we hear what you're saying, but it's not that easy. Just putting in a, a little bit of water to bring it down to whatever you think. You know, you 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 can't exactly get it to the proof you want it without." tools right <laughs> without without the correct measurements and knowing exactly there's a lot of science that goes into bringing it down to this if you just want to water it down to to, to water it down fine but, but people but are you like don't exactly know where that you don't you put four drops of water in and that 120 right proof whiskey might go to 90 or exactly is that what you're saying and old elk says look when we mix water into ours to bring it down to a proof it's not just oh here's the amount of water that goes into the whiskey no it's blended like you'd blend anything else and it can take a matter of weeks it's yeah water to slowly added over time exactly probably has a scientific measuring tool that is right like, no. 
<laughs> so that's that's Soap. so when people that drink that high proof say that to you, you can use this argument. You can say, look, that's. Yeah, Ryan. Sure. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you meant ice. I'm, right. Yeah, remember that? Uh, one, other, one other thing I thought that was interesting, um, they did this uh, research conducted in 2015 by the American Chemical Society. And they say that the water and ethanol molecules obviously play a key role in forming this shell around the aromatic molecules of whiskey. Okay. Did they say obviously? Yes. They said it, it obviously. It says right here. It doesn't seem um, that obvious. But what this does is it allows whiskey to lower proof to have a more pronounced aroma, leading to an improved tasting experience. So lower proof whiskey is typically more aromatic and easier, obviously, I got to quit saying obviously, (laughs) easier to drink because it's at that lower proof. So it allows novice drinkers to appreciate the flavors without getting overwhelmed by that burn, right? That Well, that makes sense. But, on the other hand, it goes on to say that higher-proof whiskeys, cask strength, barrel-proof, are thought to deliver a more robust, intense, and complex flavor experience that seasoned whiskey drinkers tend to seek. So which, it's not, which would also make sense. But it's not necessarily the higher-proof whiskeys. It's not necessarily that they're better. No, I I think it's an experience factor, a lot of that. I mean, you don't see a lot of first-time whiskey drinkers come in and go, you know what I need is a bottle of this Knob Creek that's 127 proof. You know, they're they're going towards the the 80 proof, the, you know, Buffalo Traces type whiskeys where they are easier to drink, they are smoother, they don't have that huge bite and that burn. But as you dive into it further and further you you're looking for more of that flavor and and it and you realize that it doesn't necessarily come with a huge burn to it like you said earlier in this deal we've had some of these bourbons and whiskeys that come in at 120 or more and they don't drink like that but somebody that's new to the game might look at it and go ho 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 I'm not buying that unless I can you know, put it over ice or put it in a bunch of water. So then here's the question. Is the goal of drinking whiskey to eventually to get hammered? Yes. Well, to attain the ability <laughs> to drink at that higher proof. Not not to me. I don't I mean, no, for for me, not personally. No, I mean, there's folks that we interact with all the time that like that higher proof stuff. I'm not necessarily one of them. Uh, but I'm, but it, but I'm not afraid of it either. I don't seek out the, that high proof, you know, barrel proof cast strength whiskey. I, that's not my deal. But so I are, guess there are people that do. I was hoping to to find an answer to which one was better when I started this. I wanted I wanted to see if there was actual science behind lower proof whiskeys tasting better. Or higher proof whiskeys, and I, I guess the boring answer is it's subjective. It is really just what you like and what you want to what you want to drink. Um, although the higher proof whiskeys will get you lit a lot faster if that's what you want to do. But well, but but that's not necessarily true either because I I wouldn't drink them as fast. 
Does that make sense? No, it does. I mean, you know, I can sit down with a with a bottle of Jack Black and have a pretty good evening and wake up the next morning and go, crap, did I drink all that, really? <laughs> Not the whole bottle, but did I drink that much of the bottle? And you go to a, you know, you open up a bottle of Koi Hill and you might have the same thing, but you wouldn't have touched near as much of it. Sure, sure. All right. Well, I, w- I, wanted, I wanted to find answers. I was looking for I was looking for definitive definitive answers, and I'm not going to get that, am I? It's all subjective. I well, guess if yeah, I if think... you like lower proof, drink it. If you like higher proof, drink it. The best answer I found on the Dakota whiskey territory was Tom Slattery. He says it depends on the whiskey. Scotch eighty five to ninety five always neat. Irish eighty five to ninety five. Usually neat. Some cask strengths are good, but rare. Need to touch water. Bourbon, it depends on whether I am tasting, icing, or mixing. I do like a bourbon and Coke on occasion. Tasting is always better to start at highest proof and add water to explore flavor evolution. But again, if you don't know exactly how much water you're putting in there, you're really just guessing, and I don't think you can do as good a job of getting that flavor evolution out of it. He goes on to say, icing, it's better to start with high proof as the dilution over time and chilling changes the flavor over the course of the drink. Mixing, 80 to 100 proof, depending on how many bourbon and Cokes I intend to drink, without <laughs> failing a sobriety test. <laughs> so that was my favorite answer on there, because it did kind of cover all the bases. But uh, like you said, most people that answered said anywhere from, from 90 to 115 was kind, of the, was kind of the sweet spot. For me, I do like the lower proof stuff. I do like to taste it a little bit more. Yeah, I, but you're a Bottled and Bond fan, too. It comes sure. To 100, more so than... I mean, not because I don't enjoy bottle and bond, but it's it's not something that right. know, twists my spliff. It's not something I'm searching for. I suppose the hundred proof bottle and bond would be the that would be the treat that I reach for, right? Because that's the one, yeah. That I don't know. Maybe that's just my high end. I suppose. I don't know. Okay. Oh, I wanted to uh, really quick too before we wrap things up. I wanted to thank uh, uh, Justin down at Windsor Block Friday night. Oh, yeah, he brought out was... a, he brought out a couple of bottles for us to try. Uh, one was the Widow Jane Decadence, which so that was nice. Which um, uh, I don't think is readily available around here. That he had a bottle of that. Boy, was it! I didn't. I didn't. I hadn't had any Widow Jane whatsoever uh, before he had poured that for me. And I, then the other I one haven't either, was the uh, Rock Hills. Was that the, the one? Rock, Rock Hill Farms? Rock Hill Farms was another one that he brought down Buffalo Trace product, which was delicious. So thank you, Justin. And if you see it, it's uh, in the same bottle as the Caribou Crossing. Which is weird, but it is the exact same bottle, for sure. Uh, We're drinking uh, the second bottle of our Smoke Wagon series on the podcast today. This is the small batch. Yep, the small batch. And uh, we we had already done a review on the Uncut Unfiltered, which was delicious. I don't know. These are both both really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning a lot more towards the Uncut Unfiltered. I thought it had more flavor. It had it more. I thought it had more of a nose, and on a, oddly enough, it's at a little higher proof. Yeah, it's that comes a, in at fifty. It's fifty-seven point something. One hundred and four, one hundred and five proof, and the fifty-seven uh, is one hundred and fourteen. One hundred and fourteen. Thank you. For those and the that can uh, do the math. small batch uh, is just a hundred, just a hundred proof. Yeah. So I like I like the Uncut Unfiltered more than this one. This one just had a little bit too much of a alcohol nose to it for me even though i have a cold get a bottle of the smoke wagon if you see it anywhere um even though even the rye even was the pretty rye good was pretty good yeah, yeah so check it out all right well rob thank you so much I'm sorry we didn't get any answers to anything 
uh, on this. Um, you find but, the answer within yourself. Uh, I suppose that's boring. All right. Thanks for hanging out with me, Rob. You have a you have a good rest here. My my charitable side. Thank you for listening to this episode of Whiskey at Work. I am the producer and host, Mark Houston, along with Rob Henry. Our shows are engineered by Chris Jaquist, and the video and audio editing is done by our own Russ Haddon. If you like what you hear, we would love a five-star review wherever you rate your podcast and leave us a comment as well. It's Whiskey at Work on the Home Slice Audio Network. <laughs>